In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. All year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. We continue. Chuck Oliver Show on this Tuesday, which means we have already spoken with Dave Bartu. Oh, yeah, that's an hour one thing. Every single week. So thank you for coming on, Dave Bartu. Uh, he is CFB Matrix, CFB Matrix. He is consultant to a lot of college football programs. He is consultant to a few NFL teams, and he this is just what he does. He could apply his, his code, his ones and zeros, to anything. He applies them to college football. So to him, it's just widgets. It's just numbers, and it's being predictive, and he's found that in the sports world, it's, it's attainable. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Tim O'Malley, Irish Illustrated. Find out what's going on with Marcus Freeman and everybody uh, at Notre Dame. And then bottom of the hour, not a bad day to have Dave Hooker on. Um, he is off the hook sports. That's his own thing. It's been ESPN, Knoxville News Sentinel, uh, radio up in Knoxville. He's covered Tennessee in various ways for about 30 years. Uh, also recruiting, like I said, for ESPN, et cetera. So we'll be talking Tennessee. And um Heath had mentioned right before we went to break there that there is the potential of another big time program getting themselves in Dutch over name and likeness violations now I don't know the details and they'll emerge and we'll get Tennessee's response they say we're gathering details right now that's the Tennessee Heath is that the Tennessee response to this point yeah we're, I mean, ga- at this we're point, gathering details at this point they're saying we don't even have a notice of allegations much less a response to it. remember FSU the whole thing with FSU came to light and was way after two years self-contained because they agreed to it yeah. so if this thing goes through the whole NCAA process this thing could play out for a year and a half two years so in the so this is all as as Heath was saying there's like yeah Tennessee's going mm, we're not really in a, in, a, in a place right now we don't have enough information yet with Florida State we do because if you go back months and months and months then they had a coach and this is what I'm going to allege here or no this is what I'm going to propagate has already happened at a lot of different programs across college sports, specifically college football in this case, because that's what we talk about here. In the case of Alex Atkins, I really believe he didn't know he was breaking the rules. I really believe that Alex Atkins did like everybody else in Tallahassee who was on staff and he went to the seminar and he listened and he signed the paper and it was notarized and he was like, all right, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go out there and we're going to get some kids. And it's just a new set of rules. There are already rules. These are new. He had a, there was an event where, I don't know, some recruits got like a bowl of chili and a ride. And Alex Atkins is in big-time problem. Like, he's not going to get it. Do you realize it could affect his ability to be – actually, it will affect his ability to be a head coach. If he continued on the path, like the trajectory 
the very, very, like, northeast. Like, it ain't straight up. It's pretty close. Um, trajectory that his career's on? He's the OC for Mike Norvell. How much is he really the OC? In the case of Alex Atkins, he's the OC. Like, he really has got his fingers in the pie. And so, if you're that, and, and you can recruit, and you coach offensive line, dang. He's going to be a high commodity. Give him, yeah, but you have to do it a different year, like one more year. You know why? Joe Brady was an exception. I think in August of 2019, 19, Joe Brady, he could have walked around Baton Rouge with no pants on and not gotten recognized. Joe Brady coached one season and whoosh, to the top. It's supposed to be more than that. You are supposed to, aren't you supposed to have like a put everybody on notice season and then you get hired at Oregon. And so I thought he was going to have to have one more season and then he was going to get hired. Three-year show calls, is it? Here's what Alex Atkins did. I think he was at an event, and he really thought what he was doing because there are multiple uh, accounts involving multiple family members. It's not because he's either stupid or brazen. It's not because he's ignorant of the rules or he's trying to break them. It's because he really thought, based on his understanding, I think I'm following the rules. I think I can do this. And I don't know, a year later, the NCAA announces new penalties for violations like that. And then the next day says, oh, yeah, by the way, Alex Atkins, you're now subject to those. Tennessee, I'll credit them. They walk through a minefield juggling chainsaws. When I want to say it was the chancellor, or maybe the border regents or the school president. I say border regents. She was at a press conference when Pruitt was exited from the property, and she just kept on going. And it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse, and then it got pretty clear that the strategy was throw ourselves on the sword so blatantly that it's clear we had nothing to do with this, that we wouldn't were aghast by this. And that it was all a rogue head coach putting together. And as soon as we find out, oh, my goodness, we're opening the curtains and turning the lights on bright. And it kind of worked. It worked to the extent that Jeremy Pruitt's not getting his money. And I want to say it was like $11.6 million. For some reason, that number comes to mind. It didn't work. The strategy worked to the extent that he's not getting paid. And he also he got like a six-year show cause. So he went and coached a year in the league and for whatever reason didn't get invited back. And he's an amazing coach and he can recruit. I don't know that given, this is just my opinion, given his temperament, and maybe even that's not right. This is so, given what it appears, how, how it appears he relates to people with very little hesitation. I don't know that I want him being the face in, of the program of running the thing and he gets the signature on the paper. And he would take offense to that. In fact, he addressed that. Heath, do you remember he had a quote that he went to a few times? Because, I don't know, when you get asked regularly, hey, what do you think about your ability to, you know, talk to people in situations that normally you can just talk? And um, 
he had a response. He was like, I went from kindergarten teacher to defensive coordinator or a head coach in the SEC in nine years. He's like, you think you can't do you can do that if you can't talk to people, you can't deal with people. Did you ever hear that version of his story? Uh, I heard something along those lines, but no one ever, not even when he had success at FSU as part of a national title team, not at Georgia. The word with Pruitt was always that this was just not a guy capable of diplomacy, that basically he was just that guy that had one pitch and it was the same pitch for every situation. And emotionally, that's not where you need to be to be an effective face of your program. Oh, no. It was the heater inside, like a trip to the dentist. There was one approach. You know, he, he fired the coach at halftime. I've seen – did you know that, Heath? I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Brumbaugh, I think, wasn't it? Yep. Um, I have seen a coach get fired before, except I didn't see it. I was at practice with him on a Tuesday, and then he wasn't there the next day. So he got fired at some point. And I didn't think he was much of a coach, but who was I to speak up? I'm just herding cats out there. I'm trying to make sure we don't get trapped. Wrong arm technique is fantastic, by the way. I promise you one thing. I mean, we're not going to get trapped. But coach is not as like, hey, what happened to the offensive coordinator? Eh, yeah, he's not here anymore. Oh, okay. Got fired. Um, I've seen things where I guess if it were the kind of possession, because I don't know, restaurant, you fire a, the line cook during the middle of the shift. Yeah, that can happen. You would think a football game we at least need to get through today. All right. No matter what your transgression is, it's not so bad that we're going to coach the second half a man down. He decided one Saturday in Knoxville, you know what? Screw this guy. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah, um, you can't get into your email anymore. Here's $4 because your parking card's not going to get you out. Like, he decided that at half of a league game. Oy vey. Hey, how's that Tuesday? By the way, for anybody who doesn't know where Jeremy Pruitt is these days, uh, he was on July 27th of last year announced as a PE teacher at Plainville High in Alabama as well as the junior high boys basketball coach. So, uh for the moment, at least, that's where he's cooling his heels. Uh, Chuck, today, uh, since we're talking a little bit related to Alabama, this is probably as good a place as any. Today I saw a note that I thought was absolutely amazing. You might have seen it. I don't know. But did you see anything about Alabama in the Super Bowl through the years? Alabama players. Oh, Alabama Bowl. players. I did. I did. Actually, yeah, I did. For those of you who have not, total points scored by Alabama players in the Super Bowl, not, not thrown a pass, actually either kicked it or or crossed that line into the end zone total points by alabama players all time in the super bowl zero and because there's nobody from alabama on either team this year that number is going to stay the same Mm -hmm. there has literally been a point scored by a member of the coast guard in the super bowl and somehow as we head to the 58th version no one from alabama has scored a point chuck that's impossible that 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 is completely Impossible, especially when you consider in the first three Super Bowls alone, you had quarterbacks from Alabama playing in the game that you didn't have Bart Starr, Joe Namath, just you know, quarterback Punch sneak one or in. something it, back then. That, that, that literally, all these years later, it's never happened. That is absolutely I looked upon that factoid with disdain. I will say I even cocked an eyebrow. And you can go to the Internet and start Googling stuff. Um, isn't it more fun to, like, sit back in your chair and start going, no, 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 wait a minute, I'm going to think of this, and then I didn't. It's it, it just bizarre, but, he, but it's right. Yeah, I, I did the exact same thing. 
I wouldn't have guessed, by the way, the most points scored by any university in the Super Bowl is Miami with 84. I, I would not have guessed it would only be 84. I would have thought uh, somebody, if nothing else, just you know, a couple of kickers from the same school would have racked up some points. Yeah, years, and Miami, 84 is the max for any one school. Miami would have sat out about the first 15, 16 Super Bowls as well before they started being a factory, so they had a late start on it too. Yeah, it just anyway, for what it's worth, that was just the, the mind blower. So if, unlike Chuck, you had not heard that today and you want one little nugget that will kind of blow your friend's mind at your Super Bowl party, zero points from Alabama in the Super Bowl. Go figure. Uh, and, again, it's just one of those where I looked at it, I was like, that can't be right. And it, I don't know. It's like the mental exercise is always – and you know it's right because nobody's going to go for The mental exercise is actually the fun part of it, and you're going through, and you, then you, you know what you quickly get reminded of? No, no, wait a minute. They didn't have a first-round draft pick after Richard Todd and at quarterback until Tua. Uh, wait a minute. They didn't have a Heisman Trophy winner until uh, Mark Ingram. Um, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't. And so even by, as you say, happenstance, somebody from the Coast Guard uh, getting a point, um, you would think at Alabama there will be someone it hasn't been a program, I will say, until about the past 15 years where it was set up to have a string of really likely individuals to do that. Um, there are other programs, for instance, like Miami, Oklahoma, et cetera, where you would think that. And so I was coming up with all this context and such. Um, very, very surprising. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, uh, jump into it next. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Tuesday on the Chuck Oliver Show, and we are flying through it, talking college football like we do every single day. By the way, I don't know, man. Get a sports fact wrong. It's like you suggested closing the Vatican. Um, and I don't even think I got this wrong. We're talking about Alabama players not scoring in the Super Bowl, and I got started getting text messages from people. By the way, I appreciate every one of you listening. Jalen Hurts. I was like, I got tough news for you, Bama fan. He counts as an Oklahoma player now. Um, so that's how Alabama still has that goose in the Super Bowl is he counts as an Oklahoma player, not a Bama player. So you don't get him anymore. You do get Jamison Williams, though. I uh, want to welcome on right now. He gets everything when it comes to Notre Dame from Irish Illustrated. It's his thing, man. Tim, O'Na- uh, Tim O'Malley. Welcome back, brother. How you doing today? Pretty good, Chuck. How you been? Uh, nothing but good. Um, so total postscript now, and we've got signing day coming up, and then we're on to spring practice, and, and there we go. Um, we're on throughout the state of Alabama. Tell a Troy Trojan fan what they have in a new head coach, uh, Jared Parker. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, a lot of people we talk to believe Parker will be a better head coach than coordinator. You know how you go through covering teams and you always think to yourself, this guy should be a coordinator all the time and he'll be great at it, but I can't see him coaching. Uh, that's kind of the opposite for Parker. We only had him for one year. I did get to know him pretty well personally. I coached his daughter, actually. <laughs> uh, nice. Two of them, actually. Um, but he, uh, it's interesting. When you look at the stats, you're going to see Notre Dame's second highest scoring team of all time and uh, of course they're very proud of that 
you dig a little deeper and, you know, those most of those points, not most of those points, but the lion's share of those points came against the seven teams on the schedule that weren't as good as the other five teams on the schedule. So that's always been the issue for Notre Dame fans. But I think you will see he wants to run RPO. He does believe pretty heavily in the running game. So it, I think he's going to go value Troy's strengths. If At Notre Dame, that's always a two-tight end set. If, if Troy is more three-by-one or if, uh, if you just have – if that's the best possible recruiting base, I think, there – He'll go to that. So I think he'll adjust on the fly. And he is an offensive guy, though. Um, so I think his his stamp will be all over the offense, especially at the beginning. Okay. So now it's Mike Denbrock. Um, I don't know. Have we talked to you since he headed back no. to Notre Dame? I don't think so. Tell me how this unfolded, because this is a wildly different offensive coordinator searching last time. Yeah, it sure is. It's not quite as public either. Um, we actually, and the first thing we asked Marcus Freeman, it was at the Sun Bowl. Um, we had an extra five minutes with him that I, that I, I that he wishes he didn't have because uh, we got to ask him some coordinator questions. He did not call Denbrock last year for that search. That makes sense though, because he was Denbrock was in his first year with one of his good friends and Brian Kelly. Uh, it was the first person he called this time. They have worked together in the past briefly. Um, Den, it was interesting because. I mean, Denbrock technically was fired by Brian Kelly. Now, I don't really think it was the offense's fault when Brian Kelly had to clean house in 2016. And Denbrock could have stayed on the staff, but they had to make coordinator changes, and, and Kelly basically had a whole new staff. So I think there were two, two or three remained. So we thought Notre Dame fans might not react very well to Mike Denbrock coming back, but it's amazing what a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and that offense will do. He looks like a very good offensive coordinator right now, and this is his third stint in South Bend. He does love it at Notre Dame. He's got family nearby. Uh, it, right when we heard the name with any hint of truth to it, we realized that Denbrock would be coming back. So he's been welcomed back with open arms. You know that lasts until about halftime at Kyle Field there in the opener on August 31st, depending on how they do. All right, there's nothing like context, and fans sometimes don't want any of it, nor snarky radio host. But three OCs in three years, why can't Marcus Freeman keep his staff together? Um, well, I don't know. Like, There's a little more details to that for why the guy's left. I mean, I get to be a head coach now. That's kind of nice. Or I get to go to Alabama and, you know, do whatever, put my DNA on something. Um, talk about is that, a, is that a talking point for people who decide they want to bang on Marcus Freeman? You know, a lot of people go back to the Reese situation and and think that Marcus Freeman wanted his own team. You know how Reese and Freeman came in together? Um, basically, they, or they, they stayed together. That was, that was part of the deal. I really don't believe that to be true of Marcus. I think it's pretty important, however, that Al Golden is there for year three as a defensive coordinator. So I would be talking out of both sides of my mouth if I said it doesn't matter that you change coordinators three times. But I do believe that had he got his first choice in coordinator last year, Andy Ludwig, they would not be making a change this year. As I said, Jared Parker's numbers were great. There's a lot to point out, too, that he did well. The vast majority of Notre Dame fans would say they wanted to change from Jared Parker to a more experienced coordinator. There is still that thing with Coach Freeman that people believe it's important to have experienced coordinators around him because he is a third-year head coach. Now, we're, we're getting away from that a little bit for me. I thought that was a huge deal in his first year. I think we're getting away from that a little bit. He's learned quite a bit on the job. But I don't think it's that big of a deal uh, in terms of affecting chemistry or the team. But as I said, I think it's huge that Al Golden stayed for three years because at one point, and this was over a coaching transition, Notre Dame's linebackers that have just graduated, the J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser came back. They had, If Golden would have left, they would have had four different coordinators and four different linebacker coaches in their four years. So that could have take a toll on a program. I, I don't think that's a point now against Marcus Freeman. 
All right. Um, let me say as a disclaimer, employed is great. Paycheck, the work. I'm in the NFL. It's not even college anymore. Yay me. Um, against the backdrop of all of that, Tommy Reese, this was a very public sort of either snub, gut punch, demotion, something. You go from OC maybe for a national champion in Alabama, and now you're coaching tight ends for Cleveland. Employed is yeah. great, and he won't you know, cut his own grass or clip coupons, but – this is not where it was supposed to be at this point. No, but I do. I did always believe he would be two years at Bama and then to the NFL. But you're right. I thought he would go to a higher, like, you know, quarterback coach is a higher job at the NFL. Obviously, that leads more to offensive coordinator. So I was surprised by the tight end coach um, and having a role in the passing game. I'd like to see what that role in the passing game is, if that's lip service or if that's actually something where he can cut his teeth and, and learn to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I always believe Reese is destined to be a lifer in the NFL. Um, I wouldn't say he hates recruiting because he recruited quarterbacks and it was a little bit easier job, so we never heard any complaints about his recruiting. But I think most guys in college football now, if they have a NFL pedigree or any NFL aspirations, it's a little easier than dealing with re-recruiting your entire top half of your roster every December, yeah. too, while you're trying to recruit new guys. So I see Reese as an NFL, or maybe he just realized – you know, this is this is a step to get into the NFL as a position coach, and, and, and he can go from there. But, yeah, I would have thought two years at Alabama, and I would have thought quarterback coach in the NFL, or maybe he gets hired as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So it's, it's certainly not a lateral move, uh, Alabama OC, almost in the national championship game, to Cleveland tight ends coach. Give me 20 seconds on Chris Tyree, one of my favorite players. What is he looking for? What is he hoping for? Because Virginia, is, um, that's his choice. Yeah, he's going home. Um, he's trying to make the, the full evolution to slot receiver from running back. I think he would – NFL aspirations, you are – see Chris Tyree in the slot as a return man. He can help you a little bit in the jet game. But I think Tyree wanted the ball more. Um, his move was first, so he actually – Maybe could have had the ball more had he stayed because they had a lot of transfers yeah. after that from the young class. Yeah. But they do like the other the slot receiver that he's going to be the story for Notre Dame again. If you recall, uh, the ex walk on lacrosse player Jordan Faison, and they were going to split some snaps. I think Chris Tyree would like to be targeted about sixty five times. The littlest cavalier of all. I uh, hope he has a fantastic season, Tim. Thank you, friend. Hey, thanks a lot, Chuck. We'll talk to you soon. Irish Illustrated, and so yeah, Tyree had been a running back, and now Tyree. Then he was a receiver at Notre Dame, and he's. I want more action. He might have had it. I mean, a change in things, and so now he's at Virginia, and they're looking for playmakers. And he's like, you know what? I'm home, backyard, and let me ball out. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. 
Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. A source familiar with the inquiry says Tennessee does not believe it has committed any violations in the name image likeness realm. The source cited NCAA guidance in that evolving area as, quote, vague and contradictory. Chuck Oliver show on a Tuesday. We were talking a little bit about the just story. The, it's a mustard seed right now. But Tennessee apparently is the next big giant program that has somehow found a way to run afoul of name image likeness, uh, excuse me, of the NCAA during the name image likeness era. Florida State a few weeks ago was, how do you do that? And when I read about it, I was like, I think the Florida State coach, Alex Atkins, like he really thought he was following the rules. I speculate, and I, I already have, that that's what went on here. Like when it's kind of this widespread, what the initial rumors are i guess or reports um i said folks this sounds like there was an event or a practice or something they thought was it within the lines and it turns out that no you were coloring outside the lines um and so they're saying look we tried to do right it's vague it's contradictory um give tennessee credit in their most recent time they got in trouble with the ncaa they were as transparent as it gets um I know who we can turn to from off the hook sports. He's right there in Knoxville. It is Dave Hooker. Dave, how's your Tuesday? It just got busy, Chuck. <laughs> it really did. Um, so the quick and snappy responses, how can you get recruiting violations in the era of name image likeness? Um, you still can, and there are still contact ways and windows and such. And the idea here is that, Tennessee has a series of violations um, in just the very early stages of the story. What do you know? It is the very early stage of the story to the point that um, it didn't, didn't have an opportunity to make some phone calls on it yet. But I, I would say this. Um, let's start with the, the pessimistic side. Tennessee just uh, was found guilty of widespread violations under Jeremy Pruitt and what was called one of the worst um, other than moral issues that we've seen at other schools. But just in terms of breaking NCAA rules, one of the worst incidences that has ever happened, uh, according to the NCAA, and that was reported by Pat Forty. And so then you that, – that that's the pessimistic side is, you know, technically you just came off of that and now you're dealing with another one and you don't want it to be a pattern or you think the NCAA is going to come uh, down harder on you. The optimistic side is Tennessee going way back, and I could go back to I think the 84-85 season. They were in the inside cover of Sports Illustrated with a big crack down Neyland Stadium because they were under NCAA investigations. Well, then athletic director Doug Dickey said that uh, I'm going to turn everything over. That's the approach we're going to have and not try to hide anything as uh, SMU had done and other programs had done. So that's what he did. And Tennessee has been very good at self-reporting. They opened the books up. And usually these things don't grow into anything huge. So I, I think Tennessee knows how to handle these things, but I don't know the depth of which how serious they are at this point. 
Do you think, uh, is Tennessee a candidate for, I guess, repeat violator status? Um, that is the phrasing the NCAA uses. And if it's within five years and blah, 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 and we've seen it happen before. And then we've also seen when you're a repeat violator, and that's when the big hammer comes down, we've also seen the NCAA prior to name image likeness look at programs and go no you've suffered enough they've been very inconsistent with this um yes they are inconsistent with this to me it's clearly a repeat violator if it's came if it it came under josh heupel right because not not that it was a repeat from a standpoint of him but it was a repeat from the standpoint of the program needs to be better policed because you were able to wash your hands of jeremy pruitt i mean it was almost so bad it was good because you could say i've I've jettisoned him gotten rid of philip fulmer and everybody's different. There's nobody at the same place, so we're starting anew. And um, that's not um, that's not the case if something happened under Josh Heupel. So you just kind of kept doing the same old stuff if that's the case. So I, I think that would be uh, a, a real, real issue for Tennessee if, if, if things have, have happened nearly as major as uh, they did under Jeremy Pruitt. If they've under, uh, happened that way under Josh Heupel, I think it's a, it's a problem. But, again, I do not know that at this point. Tell me just the, you know, Gen Pop, just uh, Joe and Jane fan. Are they part of the Volunteer Club? And I want to tell everybody to listen, Volunteer Club is, I guess, the most prominent name, image, likeness collective associated with Tennessee. Uh, they claim more than 4,000 monthly regular paying members of varying levels um and 11 different athletes uh employees etc uh is what is your what is your either the conversations you have or you hear from quote regular fans and their connection to the collectives well they they like what they're getting in return okay so they get they get to go to these special clubs on game day and then all that sort of thing that's right next to the stadium so it's a special tailgate and all that's cool and neat but if you think you're actually helping tennessee and nil that's just pure insanity because some of those payment levels are as low as five dollars it takes a lot of five dollar payments to get a a nico iamaleva for two million dollars a year so um I don't think they're really helping the collectives. Let's say you said 4,000 was the number you heard. So that's, that's what they say. say that's their claim. Okay, that's what – yeah. Okay, so let's say they're spending $20 a piece because they go all the way down to $5 and then go up to 500 So, I mean, that would still just be $80,000 a month. That's, that's good money for Dave, but that's not – money that's going to really affect a, a collective to to any great degree. I mean, we're talking tens of millions. So this, to me, is a case where a collective is, is utilizing its status as uh, a money-making venture, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of us are in this to make money. So but I think the support has been there from the corporate level, and you're talking about adding on a zero or two to the end of the numbers that you're going to get from hardworking fans that are are saying no to something else because they're on a budget to give to this volunteer club. So if you get an autographed piece of memorabilia and that's worth it to you, that's fine. But don't but don't think you're bringing in a five star running back with a twenty dollar donation. Wrapping up, Dave Hooker. Off the hook sports. Uh, so you mentioned Nico there, and I've said other than 
man, he needs to put on a little bit of weight, I believe. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, he's getting thicker, but he just, you know, he's stretched out so far. I was like, this is a dangerous, you know, league, but 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 they'll take care of that. Um, outside of some time against Vanderbilt, they stretched it out against UConn. I was like, I don't really know what they have here. I like the bowl game a little bit. Um, tell me what your impression is, because you have seen plenty of quarterbacks come through Knoxville. Um, based on what Hypo wants to do and what you've seen, really, with the extended opportunity in the bowl game, um, what do you think of the fit with Hypo and Nico? Uh, you couldn't you couldn't put together a quarterback that's a better fit. Plus. And I said this in August. I thought that he he should have played over Joe Milton the entire year last year. You remember when I told you that Rick Clawson wasn't going to play, I believe, before a game? I think this is one of those moments where I can share with you something I feel 100% certain about and will prove to be true. He'll he'll be an elite player, a special, special player. Um, He has the right attitude. He has all the physical skills. Um, I have – not heard one semi negative thing about him and as a matter of fact i think he stoked the fire for joe milton last year to not sit on his laurels tennessee may have been better uh if better off had he rested on his laurels because i think uh nico will prove to be um i think he'll prove to be their best quarterback since uh since a guy named Peyton Manning, and he was pretty good. And I'm I'm not overstating that, Chuck. You you know me well enough. I, I believe that. And if I had a bet one way or another, I would certainly bet on that. You know, one of the things I was going to ask you about, just to you know, go down a little more specific. There was uh, Dave. He's listed as the sixth best odds to win the Heisman. Um, uh, too much pressure. Well, I'm not saying win the Heisman. It sounds like you're certainly very high on him. Um, Trey Johnson, new Vols director of recruiting. How significant, if at all, uh, change there? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chuck. You broke up. What was that? Oh, again? I'm sorry, brother. Yeah, I was saying Trey Johnson has been added, the Vols' new director of recruiting. Um, is there significance to the change, or just we're rolling along, same philosophy, same everything? Um, I think that um, it's uh, right now the same philosophy. He's really just in charge of scheduling official and unofficial visits. All right, brother. Anything uh, as far as signing day coming up a week from now? I mean, I know that uh, a lot of it's still about portal. And actually, the 38th window has, is closing today, I think. Um, it's still about portal and some high school stragglers. Do you expect any sort of news for Tennessee um, on the traditional uh, first Wednesday of uh, February? Uh, I think that they will have a um, – I think they'll have a surprise just based off Josh Heupel's track record, but I don't think it's going to be a monstrous five or four star surprise. I think they might have a little bit of room with a guy that they can fit in, but no, that's what we were just talking about at Off the Sports. I mean, it's the second signing day is kind of boring now, Chuck, which I, I lament. I, I, I used to really enjoy that, even though you, you know you and I would be working from seven a.m. to eight p.m. Nope. Nope. I, I miss the signing day. I do. Yeah, waiting to see where Martez Ivy signs. Um, just always one of those fun things. Dave, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Chuck. Dave Hooker off the hook sports. So I've talked about that plenty, and and you all experienced it as well. Uh, before there was a signing day event, there was – do you know what a mimeograph is? I go back to the days of – I've got 
there was a one year, one off season, I guess. Whatever year Sterling Boyd signed with Oklahoma or Georgia, I can't remember. Um, I was getting updates like mailed to me. It would be mimeographed paper folded over like into a trifold and then a staple and you put a label. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's there to, I mean, where we are today. But there wasn't a signing day event. It just kind of happened, and you would hear about it over a couple of days later. Um, there was no real recruiting industry outside of, I mean, very niche, not even cottage, like niche industry. Um, and then, obviously, from there, my goodness. Um, but you lost the event. As the industry exploded, the event became a day on the calendar that some folks would take days off work. Talked about an event down at the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta we had. Maybe it was the day Roquan Smith signed. I remember that because I was actually on the phone with Mark Richt, and he hung up. He's like, hey, I got to go right now. And he said later is because Roquan Smith found out that the UCLA head coach that had signed him was actually or trying to sign him was leaving immediately after signing day to go to the NFL. And he's like, hey, no, wait a minute. And so that's kind of how that's part of how Georgia got Roquan Smith. There are 600 people there. Ton, uh, triple digits, at least 100 kids signing scholarships of varying levels. And it's all mostly done now. And there are some uh, still official and good for the kids to have the at the school official event. But as far as picking the hat or we're not sure, I saw, do y'all remember Isaiah Kroll? I saw him pull a live bulldog out from under the table, put it on right there on the podium. I'm going to Athens. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) We're at the live mascot stage now. And we were all bated breath. I remember Cyrus Quanjo. Quote, going to Auburn. I was like, yeah. Jamie Newberg. Do y'all remember his name? Jamie Newberg. OG in recruiting. Guy from Tampa. And Jamie Newberg, who I believe was out Border Wars, and then maybe it was The Outsiders, and then maybe that became Scout.com. Jamie used to text me back in the day about all kinds of things going on with recruiting, and Fred Rouse and whatever else. Um, But I I would get late into the recruiting day, and it would be this giant event where you would be looking at it and say, all right, now who are the last couple? And Cyrus Quanjo announced that, like, early in the day, I'm going to Auburn. And the day he gets later and later, and then I get a text from Jamie. He's like, uh, he's not going to Auburn. I was like, what? He's like, there's nothing coming through. You can stop looking at the facts. It's like he's, he's going to Bama. So that was all the in-the-moment drama that would happen five, ten times in a class. And it would be like this land rush beginning at whatever, 7 a.m. Eastern, I guess, to try to get as many of the official letters of intent in as possible. And you would see it was like a stock price during the day. A team signing class would start swaying one way or the other. And if two or three recruits started hopping on Ole Miss, folks, wasn't it 2013, that signing day? That old Miss sign, it started to be a momentum thing. Okay, and another, and then another. Well, he signed, I'll sign too, and another. 
Well, we got those. Let's go get Laramie Tunsil. Uh, pay the light bill. All right. It would go momentum the other way as well. Guys jumping off the ship at Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. What's going to happen to the Vols recruiting class? Happened that way as well. None of that exists anymore. And it didn't even really exist in early December. So, uh, it is all it is has changed. It's different. So, we got the portal to replace it for whether it's good, bad, dead, or buried. That's what it is. All right. We will break. And my goodness, look at the clock. We got to wrap up next. more college football talk with the king of college football it's the chuck oliver show on southern sports today we have, we have 31 different guys right, that, that go out and dress out for, for spring practice and for summer camp this year and play for us next year right so it's a totally different team right it's a different mindset it's a different group of guys it's different people in the locker room thankfully a lot of the leadership from that team is back and i think yeah. that's what's important all right but i think you, you you can't really you can't ride the wave of it George Tech head coach, Brent King. And he is referring to not getting caught up in the moment to moment, especially today, and trying to build something that is consistent. And it is a different, I mean, it, like it doesn't even really exist anymore unless you're operating at a lower level of probably even G5. It's going to be very difficult to say we are a recruit and develop sort of program that we are a red shirt and then get some grown men. Like, are you out of your mind? Red shirt for who? We're going to get this kid in here. And like that four game thing, that's precious. He's playing 12. Like literally if there's one snap on, do you remember there was a big, big, big quarterback recruit? Hey, 20 years ago. Do you remember Anthony Morelli at Penn state? Oh yeah. Yeah. He played, I think it was like three snaps against, I don't know, Delaware. His whole red shirt year. Um, there were some just egregious times. I don't know. And even when the four games, do you remember Gus Malzahn couldn't count to four? He played the running back in five. He like got one play against Mississippi State, and the NCAA is like, sorry, dude, that's five. Was it Asa Martin? Um, the idea of red shirting now? Seriously, do you think that this kid's going to hang around so you get that full fifth season from him for you there? There's a good chance. The three of you will have no connection to anyone else in that circle in five years, much less you and the kid are all still there. There's more like, do you realize it's more likely five years later? Speaking of Gus, Heath, go look at the UCF roster. Do you know how many Auburn players are still playing for Gus five years later, but after they transferred somewhere from Auburn and then landed in Orlando, that's more likely in today. Red shirt, please. What's up, Heath? A couple of things here. Since you're mentioning Auburn, uh, DJ Durkin, the scoring defense rankings for DJ Durkin. I think I think that there seems to be this perception that DJ Durkin is pretty good. Now, when you were talking Dave Bartu, Bartu indicated, hey, you know, maybe maybe not top end, but I think there's this perception that the baggage that comes with DJ Durkin is worth it somehow because of the performance. Chuck, you look at his scoring defense numbers going back to 2016, 74th, 120th. 78th, 118th, 51st, 25th, 36th. That's that's nothing special, especially those last two years, 25th and 36th. That's at Texas A&M, where you're supposed to have high-end talent and be able to, to really produce at a high level. I just, 
I don't know, man. I, I don't quite understand with all the possibilities and all the financial resources, you could go find a talented guy with no baggage. I understand Durkin's been in the conference, and some people place a lot of value on that. I don't get why this was the right hire for Auburn to make. Got a three-year deal, too. So. I, it just it really yeah. baffles me. Meanwhile, as noted, we're eight days away from signing day. Remember when Deion Sanders and Colorado were going to be holy terrors when it comes to signing day? They were going to be tearing it up, big numbers, not just transfer portal. High school kids are going to want to play. Yep. For them. I'm not saying that's all completely wrong. Deion has pulled surprises before. However, Chuck, I am quoting verbatim from a gentleman who is uh, the Colorado football assistant director of player personnel and high school relations, David Rispress. I'm sorry, Devin Rispress. He sent the following tweet this morning, quote, where are my 2024 unsigned high school cornerbacks and safeties with grades? Um, open call eight well, days before. Open call for unsigned players with grades in the secondary eight days before signing day. Chuck, as a Colorado fan, I'm not sure that's given me a whole huge I, surge of confidence for next week. I got to say, I bet there is a level of pro football focus membership where I could find that out by lunch. Just, just every aspect of that, I'm like, uh, uh oh, <laughs> that that doesn't sound good. Better, better nail the transfer portal because that doesn't sound good at all. I'm telling you, man, you are giving yourself, and it's the age we live in. You're giving yourself one more challenge, one more hurdle, one more golf. Whatever the story, with, we'll see what they wind up with next week. But nope. you got eight days to find them, apparently. The fruit basket turnover of the roster and coaching staff and everything else. I mean, it really, really is another thing to overcome. All right, wraps it up on a Tuesday. David on the ones and twos, spinning gold. Wonderful stuff from Heath as well. Appreciate everybody coming here. In 22 hours, we'll all be back talking college football. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 